0: Said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought, because Jesus had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out. And it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I have said unto the Jews, whither I go ye cannot come, so now I say to you. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord Whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Our texts are verses 31 and 32. Notice this is immediately after Jesus has dismissed Judas. And we read, it was night. And now verse 31 and 32 And Boys and Girls you count in these two verses how many times you find a word which is connected with glory. You can see that word in it, glory. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. May God add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word again this evening. Okay, boys and girls, how many times did you see that word glory? Five times that word occurs here in these two verses. The word glorified, the Greek word is daxa. It comes from an ancient word, dakao. What does it mean? Dakao means to seem, to appear, or to hold an opinion of someone or hold an opinion of something. And later on, that word changes to hold A good opinion of someone or something. To hold a good opinion of. So that then it will become praise and thanks and honor to that person. For example, to have a right opinion of God and of his word is called to be orthodox. You see that same Greek word there have a right opinion. And for you and me to now have a right opinion of God or of His Christ means we're filled with praise. We worship Him. We have a right opinion of Him. Because God's intrinsic work is embodied in this character of God. He gave his only begotten Son, and the Son willingly came down from heaven. So you and I, knowing this, having a good opinion of what God has done in his Christ, what Christ is going to do on the cross, means that we worship him. Now, there is another sense of glory which is largely external. That glory is associated with light. We read in the Old Testament that God dwells in glory unapproachable. You will remember perhaps at Mount Sinai. There the glory of God was hidden by a cloud, but the whole mountain rumbled. Or later on in the tabernacle and the temple. The glory of Lord would come down upon that tabernacle or temple in the form of a cloud called the Shekinah. Or still later, perhaps, boys and girls, you remember the story when God took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain And there they saw Jesus Christ shining, and along with Jesus Christ, they saw Moses and they saw also Elijah. And it was so glorious, Peter, the one who always speaks kind of impetuously, he says, shall we build some booths here? In other words, Moses was saying, this is wonderful. Peter was saying, this is wonderful. I like this idea instead of what Jesus is talking about going down to Jerusalem where he's hated. In the two verses that we have before us tonight, we have to understand Jesus to be using the word in that that first sense. Christ Jesus is going to be revealed and the Father is going to be revealed in all of their worth. In their character and in their work, have a good opinion worthy of worship and praise. So, when? When is this glorification of Christ, when is this glorification of God going to take place? Was Christ glorified? When he was baptized, that is when the voice came out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That is God, the Father's opinion of his Son. I am well pleased. But we don't read that text there that he was glorified. Or was not there on the Mount of Transfiguration When his face shines and Peter wants to stay up there, but we don't read there that Christ was glorified. There he was strengthened for his work. Strengthened by the law and the prophets that he came to fulfill. No, our passage says, now. Jesus Christ just dismissed Judas. And it was night. Night in the Bible is a time for sin, for awful things to take place. And when Judas was gone out, we read in verse 31, Jesus said, Now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. Notice it was upon Judas's removal Jesus points out, <clears throat> after Judas is gone, how he looks upon what is going to take place by Judas' treachery, namely, that he is going to be glorified in, and he's going to be glorified after his sufferings, and God will be glorified in him, in his sufferings, and afterward. Jesus Christ, who we read in verse 21, was earlier troubled in his spirit. Now when Judas goes out to work his mischievous treachery, Jesus Christ is elevated in his mind and in his comfort. And Jesus, in comforting and rejoicing at this time, teaches his disciples and he teaches you and me. When we are called to suffer for Jesus' sake in order to enter into his glory, don't be troubled, but rejoice. God speaks a good opinion of us when we suffer for the cause of Christ Jesus. So notice with me then the three points. Now Christ Jesus glorified, or Christ Jesus glorified now, the glory in Christ passion Christ is glorified number two God the father is glorified in Christ's crucifixion and then thirdly the coming glory if you have your Bible somewhere open you're going to notice that in verse 31 you have the present tense now is not will be, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in Him. How is Jesus' death on the cross His glorification? Isn't it the third step of His great humiliation? He was born... He suffered all of his life long. He died, he was buried, and he descended into hell. But what we're reading here is that it is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as incarnate, who was glorified on the cross. How? Isn't this a strange place for this text? couple of reasons. I'll give four or five of them. Jesus Christ himself is glorified as he looks and he goes and he hangs on the cross because he has performed the greatest work which the whole human race, which the whole history of the entire universe ever witnessed. Jesus has performed the greatest work Ever, It is the central, it is the most significant point of world history. Here the great drama, which God had planned before the foundation of the world, takes place. It is brought to its focal point and it's carried out. Acts 2, verse 23. Him, that's Christ being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, taken by wicked hands, crucified, and slain. For 4,000 years, the church waited for this great event since the first promise was made. And it is now these centuries afterwards that the church looks back at. God's elect people of all races, social status, levels of understanding are saved by this action. So how is Christ glorified on the cross? The greatest work, the greatest event ever witnessed in this universe. Second of all, at the cross, Jesus reversed the work and the conduct of the first Adam. And he turned history of our race around. The first Adam was disobedient unto death. The last Adam was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Apostle Paul works that out for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of the one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Jesus Christ reversed what our first representative, Adam, did. When Adam decided to disobey God, it was as if he had fallen off a cliff, carrying the whole string of his descendants with him. Boys and girls, imagine this a moment, mountain climbers. They're climbing up the mountain for safety, they are tied to one another with a rope. And the first climber all of a sudden is trying to grasp is trying to grasp and he fails and he falls. And as he falls he rips all the other climbers behind him also off the face of the cliff down to their death. Tied together. So Adam fell and all of his posterity the human race fell with him. But there is the last climber. The last climber that has dug in securely and as the rest of all falling he holds up. And all those who are tied to him by faith are also saved. The Lord Jesus did not like Adam succumb to temptation. The Lord Jesus, unlike Adam, did not sin, but offers up himself as the perfect sacrifice for humanity. He becomes the only safe and stable point of humanity. And all those who are roped, that is, all those who are united to him by faith, are saved by him. The fall of Adam, which led to destruction, is now reversed in Jesus Christ. By Christ's atonement, Jesus leads those who are His to safety. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is glorified because through death he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Hebrews 2, verse 14. For as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, that is Christ, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus is glorified. In his death he destroyed him who had the power of death, the devil. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The Lord Jesus provided an atonement for sin and thus broke the power of sin within us and over those who are his own people. Yes, the crucifixion of Jesus completed, accomplished The utter defeat of the arch enemy of God and of man, Satan. Isn't it almost laughable? Satan rubbing his hands with glee. He got Judas to do the awful activity of betraying Jesus. And there, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And he might laugh then. But the very act, Satan was defeated. Christ glorified by overcoming the power of sin and Satan and death. Fourthly, Jesus Christ is glorified because at the cross he paid the ransom price which purchased for himself all the elect of God. What glory that was for the Son of Man, that He should do what no one else in creation can do, for as we read in the Psalms, the ransom of a soul is costly. He does what no one else can do. Through immeasurable suffering and shame, He brings many sons to glory. He was a willing sufferer. The price for your and my salvation was cheerfully get paid. He was led, not driven, as a lamb to the slaughter. Jesus put it all in motion there at that last supper where he dismissed Judas. Go do what you're going to do and that's something that the religious leaders did not want to happen at this time because it was the Passover feast. Jesus sets it in motion. Do it. Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, paid for it all. Do you hear him from the cross? As he cries out in the sixth word of the cross, it is Finished. The ransom price paid in full, the penalty for sin, death, is now here. By his cross work, there is a glory acquired by our mediator. Now, the first word in our text, glorify, is in the present tense. And there also, then, in Christ being glorified at that time in his work, God is glorified in him. This is his, God's perfectly obedient Son. How could God not be glorified in the obedience that Christ rendered? That obedience, that righteousness, which is imputed to you and me. When you think of Jesus' work, always think of it in terms of two different things. Number one, he had to die so that we could be forgiven. But that doesn't get you in heaven yet. He had to die to take away the penalty of our sins, but he also had to live a righteous life so that that life of Christ, that righteousness, could be applied to us. And he was obedient even unto death. God is glorified in the crucifixion of his Son. Even though it's those wicked hands that have laid hold of him, those blasphemous mouths that are crying out to him, if thou art the Christ, come down from the cross. God is glorified because his attributes are magnified there at Calvary. Attributes, the younger children, that's just a big word for God's perfections. What attributes? Well, look with me at the cross. Do you see there the attribute of God's justice revealed? Exodus 34, verse 7. God declared that he will by no means clear the guilty. God says, I'm not going to try to pretend like I don't see anything. That's a game. God sees, God knows sin. God hates sin and punishes it. Paul writes in Romans 3, verse 28 to declare at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. God laid upon our substitute, Jesus Christ, the iniquities of us all. God is so strictly and unchangeably just that he would not spare even his only begotten son when he was made sin for us. God would not overlook any of that debt which righteousness demands. Paul acknowledged that, that throughout the whole Old Testament history, those who looked for the coming of the Redeemer They were saved by faith. Abraham was saved. Isaac was saved. Jacob was saved. And how was God saving them? How was it that God is giving them forgiveness? How is it that they are saved for the penalty of their sins? You'll remember Abraham's story, don't you? How God leads him to the promised land and how he deserts the promised land, lies to Pharaoh, almost makes Sarah one of the concubines of Pharaoh. What would happen to the line of Jesus? And if Abram didn't learn from that time when he is rebuked by Pharaoh, he does the same thing later on with his friend Abimelech. And Abimelech has to, again, chastise him for what he is doing. How is it that Abram is saved, that he is forgiven those terrible sins? What's done with it? Where is that sin punished? Is it just for God to forgive an Abraham or an Isaac or a Jacob or a you and me? You'll remember how we read how the devil entered into heaven and brought accusation against Moses. What's Moses doing up in heaven? After all, you said, speak to the rock and you hit the rock. You weren't a good mediator, Moses. How is it that they're all saved? And the answer is when Jesus died on the cross, there our sins were punished in him and God was seen to be just in all of his previous acts of forgiveness. The blood of goats and bulls only pictures. But now when Jesus goes to the cross, yes, there's God's justice. Sin will be punished with death, even that of his only begotten Son. And as the Old Testament then looked forward to that cross, you and I look back at that cross and we say, God is not only the one who justifies the ungodly, but God is also the one who is just in doing so. God didn't pretend that the sin just disappeared or it wasn't there, but he put it upon his son and he punished it with the bitter and the shameful death of the cross. God was beautifully glorified by the propitiation that was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. I I just used another big word, didn't I, boys and girls? Propitiation. And that word means the anger taken and turned away. The anger of God for your and my sins turned away from us there on that cross. And the hours of darkness. Second of all, what other attribute do we see of our God glorified at the cross? And the answer is God's holiness. We read in Habakkuk 1, verse 13, God is of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look at iniquity. Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ was made a curse for us. It was this, it was this that made Jesus to cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Never did God manifest his hatred of sin in the suffering and death of his only begotten son. Never before. All the honor is due to the holiness of God. The holiness of God acknowledged by the holy angels. The holiness of God by all the obedience and suffering of holy men who ever existed or will exist. Nothing. Nothing stands in comparison to the offering of Jesus Christ there on the cross. In order that every demand of God's holiness, which sin had outraged, might be fully met. What a Savior. God's justice, God's holiness, God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is exceedingly glorified in the cross. In the Old Testament, God promised a deliverer to Adam and Eve. He covered them with coats of skin, and he made a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And all through the Old Testament history, there was all those blood sacrifices done over and over and over again. There was the promise to Abraham, I am going to bless you and all nations through you. I'm going to do that through your seed. And Paul points out that seed is singular. Galatians 3 verse 16, not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. There was the promise of the seed of David that was set upon the throne forever and ever and ever. And the longest one in the line of David that sat upon that throne was Manasseh, that wicked king for most of his life, for 55 years. Where is the promise? There is the promise in Isaiah 53 of the obedient servant of God, A man of sorrows, despised and rejected of men who would bear our griefs and who would carry our sorrows. Isaiah 53 verse 5, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, through that 4,000 years of Old Testament history as the saints looked and looked and looked for that promise, had God forgotten? Are we destitute of hope? Were his promises false? No. No, all of those promises received their exact fulfillment at Calvary. And so, Jeremy the prophet says in Lamentations 3, we are not consumed because of his mercies that are new every morning. What's the rest of that verse? Do you remember it? Great is thy faithfulness. So, God is glorified at the cross in his justice, in his holiness, in his faithfulness. Fourthly, in his love. A love revealed and exceedingly glorified at the cross. All of us know that verse from John 3 verse 16, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 John 4 verse 10, here is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he put his son be the propitiation for our sins. Nothing, nothing in history reveals the love of God as does the cross of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 8 But God commendeth his love toward us and while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. How do you, how do I know that God loves us? I had a woman in one of my churches, because of trials and difficulties in growing up as an adolescent, raise that question over and over. How can I know that God loves me? And my answer to her was, look to the cross. God loved you so much. That he gave his son to redeem you and me from sin. God's justice, God's holiness, God's faithfulness, God's love. Oh, beloved, we could continue on with other attributes of Jesus Christ glorified there at the cross. Let's talk about his mercy, which is one of the forms of his love. Mercy is showing pity to those who are helpless and hopeless and coming to their aid. That's what God did for you and me. Or the attribute of his power. Psalm 2, we looked at that briefly this morning also, didn't we? Where the kings of all the earth and the rulers took counsel together against God and his anointed Oh, the enmity and the wickedness of the human heart. But in Psalm 2, God laughs. The Lord has them in derision. God speaks in his wrath and he vexes them in his sore displeasure. God takes and he uses the wicked plots and deeds to work their own downfall and the exaltation of his son through death to sit upon his throne. God took the wickedness of Satan against him himself. God used the wickedness of Judas to end his life. But God uses those wicked things in his power in order to glorify his son in his death and resurrection. No one, no one could take Jesus' life from him, but he voluntarily laid it down of himself. Yes, the power of God is magnified. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4, Christ was crucified through weakness. And in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25, the weakness of God is stronger than that of men, gloriously manifested, demonstrated in the cross. God won the victory over Satan. The great defeat... That finishes up verse 31. Now we got to go to verse 32. Verse 31, we have the present tense. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And now, all of a sudden, in verse 32, if God be glorified in him, and he was, God shall, future. God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. So there is a coming glory of God and his Christ. God is going to immediately place a new and a special glory upon his son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to see that in our text, because I haven't explained it yet, that term, Son of God. Now is the son of man glorified. That term. That term that Jesus is the one who uses most of the time. Only once one of the disciples uses it. Jesus uses it for his humanity. He's not only the son of God, but he is also the son of man. But there's another reference for son of man. Do you know where it is? Daniel chapter 7. We read there in verse 13 and 14, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Jesus, by his death, has established his kingdom of which by grace you and I are citizens. A kingdom that is still coming and will be fully realized when Jesus comes again. A kingdom that cannot be destroyed. And there again you'll remember from Daniel the other story, the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. That great image of all the kingdoms of man and that tiny little stone cut out without hands comes rolling down from above And it destroys that image, all the kingdoms of man, and then that stone grows and grows and grows and it fills the whole earth. What a glory is given to Christ as he's seated at God's right hand, ruling all the affairs here in the world. And God continues immediately after Jesus' death to give him a glory the glory through his resurrection, the raised one. God raised him from the dead. That was the proof that he has paid for all the sins of his people for if there was even one sin, God would not have raised him. God raised him from the dead. God caused him to ascend up into heaven and he is now sitting at God's right hand. And his and our enemies are made, what? His footstool his footstool. It means that God now rules this whole world and its history in his power. And sitting there at God's right hand, it means that he is ruling his church in his grace. And there Christ is ministering as our great high priest and pouring out all the benefits of his atonement to us by his spirit. Another passage from Hebrews chapter 2. There we talk about man, and then we talk about Christ. Thou madest him, man, a little lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he might, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. If Christ is glorified now, and he is, And if he's going to return one day, and he is, we will see him in all of his splendor. Whether we be one of those that remain yet on the earth when he's coming down, or we are one of those who are following in his train from heaven at the trump of God. He comes with the clouds of glory. And he will be hailed, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, acknowledged by such, not only as his redeemed people, but even the wicked in hell will have to acknowledge it. Fourthly, Christ will be glorified, future, by bringing many sons to glory. Many innumerable we said that this morning didn't we as the stars of the sky or the sand of the seashore he is the one whom we seek to glorify now with our obedience he is the one whom we seek to serve faithfully now and we will serve perfectly in heaven in the new heavens and the new earth we read in first corinthians 2 verse 9 But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. O beloved, as Christ looked beyond the cross to the crown, which he would soon wear, so as believers, we too should look beyond the trials, the difficulties, and the sins and temptations of this earth to the glory that will be ours at last. Christ glorified. God glorified in Christ Jesus. And you and I voice that good opinion of our God. There is no other God like our God. There is no Savior like our Savior. And we, will be glorified with him. May we say then with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6 verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. New creatures because of God's glory demonstrated there At the cross of Jesus Christ. So what shall we speak of Christ? What shall we speak of Christ's cross? We have a good opinion. A beautiful opinion. We have the knowledge that God has revealed there is our Savior. A stupendous event. Yes, in our hearts, may we sing that song in the cross of Christ. I glory. Amen. Father in heaven, during that dark night, betrayed by Judas, as Jesus contemplates his cross, he asks if it can be taken away, but he says, Thy will be done. What a Savior we have. And we're thankful that in our songs and in our speech to one another, we are able to speak of what the Lord has done for us. That we are able to praise and worship Him and His Father who sent Him. And we will be taken up into that glory. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.